The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. As always, thank you for the emails. And also, as always, thank you for telling me where you're mailing me from. I always say it's my favorite part of the email, and it really is. I never thought, A, that I would be hosting a show like this, and B, uh, that I could be talking to people all over the world. It really is remarkable. It blows my mind all the time. I get emails from everywhere in the world, including that little dingy place where Alex is, Australia, the place that nobody cares about. Actually, I'm kidding. I think people don't care about Tasmania, Alex. No, I don't even think Aussies care about Tasmania. Uh, even New Zealanders have got a better deal. Anyway, um, jump into the live chat. As always, if you are watching, uh, via YouTube or Rumble or wherever it is. Links are all on the TNT's website. Hi, nice to have you with me. All right, Alex, let's do this. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy New Year, Simon Roche. Happy New Year to you, and thank you very much, Jeremy. Am I right in saying that nobody cares about Tasmania? I mean, it's, I mean, not even Aussies like Tasmania. <laughs> I, I don't know. I looked it up just about a week ago. I can't remember what the reason, what it was that prompted me to do so. And I discovered that it's the, 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 the second or the, or the least densely populated island in the world. And I thought that that appealed to me. So I'm a Tasmania fan as of uh, last week, Jeremy. <laughs> Did you say the second? What is the first? I, I can't remember at all. It was just one of those things in passing on social media or on the internet. But mm. it's apparently one of the least populated islands that is populated. I, I can't remember the, how the criteria worked. I'm not saying that it's mm. that it's less densely populated than Tristan da Cunha or Santelina. I don't know it, but apparently it is relative to most of the islands of the world, a very, very, uh, well, not densely populated island. And I thought that's my style. The less people, the fewer people, the better. I agree with you. Actually, just while we are chatting, Alex, in the background, would you mind having a look to see maybe just any, any trivia on islands? Uh, Simon says Tasmania is possibly the second least densely populated i'd love to know the first if you can see what you can find simon you were in the u the usa recently how did you find it um yes jeremy uh my boss our leader our founder mr gustav miller uh of state landers i represent state landers i'm a paid employee i'm on your show as uh, as a member of staff of state landers uh sent me to the usa uh, it was meant to be a six-week uh, trip. It ended up being a three-month trip from the 18th of September to the 18th of December inclusive. And I found it much changed. And I've mentioned that to a few people now. And I always go to pains to say that much changed is a few percent. It's not 50%. Mm. But whether those changes amount to 3% or 4% or 5%, they are visible, they're discernible, they are 
tangible, they're palpable. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. In the north, where there's a lot of snow and they put snow on the, the roads, uh, I beg your pardon, salt on the roads, where they salt the roads in winter when it snows, uh, vehicles get rust more easily, obviously. They rust rapidly. And I saw more rusted vehicles this time around than ever before. So people are, are driving motor vehicles conspicuously longer. You know, that you can see these, you know, a certain, a certain increase, whether it's 2% or 9%, I don't know. I didn't take a calculator. But it is, it, it's when scaling, you can see, you can see that people are driving older cars. The presence of elderly women in QSRs, what are formerly known as QSRs, quick service restaurants, McDonald's, Denny's, Crystal's, White Palace, so on, is unbelievable. Um, and I'm talking when I say older women, I don't mean in their 50s, I mean women in their late 60s and 70s, conspicuously women beyond retirement age. Um, I remember having breakfast in a Denny's on I-85, I think, Interstate 85. And um, there were five people visible. The, re the receptionist, you know, it shows you to your seat. And then a couple of waitresses were up and down. And I could see a couple of people through the, the service hatch in the kitchen. All five of those women were in their late 60s, early 70s. And you see it wherever you go. These elderly women who've gone back to work because they can't make ends meet on their social security. And another fairly similar thing is the misery of young people. I said to some friends, I've got some very good friends there, and we had some financial hiccups in the early days of our tour. So I was a bit hamstrung. And I was just kind of hanging around, you know, waiting for... Uh, a few matters to be sorted and so I spent a lot of time with these guys these buddies of Saitlanders in a small town in northern Pennsylvania and it was one of the first remarks that I made to them having not been there for four years since the pandemic you know I was in the USA in October of 2019 the pandemic came in a few months later and the uh, travel restrictions were lifted on. They were meant to be lifted on, I think, the 31st of March. Then it was going to be the 1st of May. And it ended up being, if I'm not mistaken, the, 30, the, 1st, of, the 1st of August. So I was there almost within six weeks of, of them being lifted after four to four and a half years. Um, and <clears throat> I said to these guys, you know, four years later, wow, the misery written all over young people's faces is just incredible everywhere you go young people in the usa are miserable um if you want to get a smile out of somebody if you if you find yourself in a in a circumstance in which you feel obliged to greet somebody you know perhaps you you're sharing a sidewalk and you're going to bump into one another unless somebody makes an effort to step to the side. Whatever kind of social situation you can imagine in which you then feel obliged to acknowledge the other person, even though they're a perfect stranger. If you want to get a, a nice acknowledgement and a smile out of them, don't do it with young people in the USA. If you want to get a smile out of a perfect stranger in a certain social circumstance, 
behind a till, behind a cash point, whatever you want to call it, elderly people still have smiles. The youth of the USA are, I mean, not to exaggerate the thing, but overwhelmingly there's misery written all over their faces. So there are three or four of the most outstanding impressions uh, to answer your question, Jeremy. Why do you think that is, though, Simon? I don't know whether it's the drugs thing. You know, when you read about what fentanyl is doing, the, just the sheer, the sheer numbers are enough to convince you that, you know, everybody's on fentanyl and everybody's dying. I'm talking purely abstract statistical terms. This many million and that many hundreds of thousands died the day before. You said, I, I can't remember the numbers, but I come across them in the course of my work from time to time. And so it has struck me. This is not the first time that I've thought about it. It has struck me that perhaps it's a drug thing. Perhaps it has something to do with the pandemic and the and the clot shots. As I say to people, you know, the pandemic messed up a lot of people's heads. And I yeah. think that it messed up younger people's heads the most. And <clears throat> interestingly, I met a girl whose father is actually a friend of mine, but he panicked. And he, he made her wear a mask from the ages of two, three, four through five. Those that like kind of late 19, 20, 21, 22, early 23, kind of three and a half years of her development. <clears throat> and as a result, she can't speak. She's not um, otherwise, you know, she wasn't born with a low IQ, but her development has been in the most literal sense of the word retarded. And she's not that and obviously there's, there's huge regret. I know another couple who had, who are very, very conservative, who had a, a child uh, vaccinated and the child became autistic. You know, they were at the, I think they were about two years old and perfectly fine. The mother is a, is a very like as about as high as you can get in nursing. I won't mention her qualifications because it'd become a bit obvious. They're a rare breed. The people who have her level of qualification, but again, somebody who panicked and did what they thought was right, and lo and behold, the child was wrecked. Um, and I think that similarly, it's not the same. I'm, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but to answer your question, I think similarly, if you were somebody who took the vaccine as a young person in the USA, and you discovered two years down the line that the excess mortality rate in Germany is now at the very least 24%. That's a random statistic. Unfortunately, I don't have uh, uh, an equivalent one for the USA um, uh, uh, that I can pull right out of my head right now. But I think that there are a lot of young people in the USA who know that their lives have been curtailed. I was meant to live to the age of 70, roughly. If the indicators are anything to go by, if the colloquium is anything to go by, if the vernacular on the streets is anything to go by, if what people are talking about in my circles is anything to go by, I'm going to be lucky to live to 32. That has to be permeating the collective con conscious. Uh, Jeremy, it can't not be. There's just no way. If that had happened to me, if I was 21 years old, and I'd been beguiled into taking the, the uh, vaccination, 
And I discovered down the line, let's say I was a liberal, purple hair, the whole thing, you name it. I wasn't interested in any of this conservative nonsense. I would yet most certainly have discovered sooner or later that there was a, a, a irreproachable and overwhelming body of evidence that conclusively demonstrates that I'm probably not going to see 35. In fact, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm possibly not going to see 27. Um, to go by that stuff done by that guy Feldman on the basis of uh, Dr. Milo Kandarian. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's that. I think it's, it's, a, it's an employment and income thing. I know that Tucker Carlson bats very hard for the youth and he says, yeah, but they won't be able to afford this and they won't be able to afford that and they won't be able to afford the next thing, so you can't blame them. I'm not saying that Tucker Carlson is entirely wrong. I am saying this. My first job was working 12 hours a day with a half an hour for lunch and that lunch included a, a, a plastic wrapped sandwich and one coca-cola <clears throat> no toilet breaks no morning tea afternoon tea compulsory 15 minutes here compulsory that there was 12 hours a day and my pay was 150 rand so uh, seven dollars fifty now that's 30 years ago but what i'm saying is that there are two sides to the story there's the side where the youth of the usa say it's so unfair on me and there's a side where you say yeah but if you've got any clue about anything then you know that only for about 35 years in all of the history of all of the entire world was employment on average generally speaking something that might be described as fair your $15 an hour is by the standards of your grandparents a bonanza it's money for free you just don't see it that way and you and Tucker Carlson believe that you should like your parents and your your grandparents strictly speaking we can argue about the dates the mm. periods of time you and Tucker Carlson seem to think that you should be able to buy a car from your first job in all of history, in all of the history of all of the world, only your parents and only your grandparents could do that. Not your great grandparents. This is unheard of. So I think that people are very frustrated by their circumstances. They're turning to drugs. They're looking out at a world in which they're not going to live very long. And together, these things are coalescing to really mess with young Americans' heads. Mm. Just before we go to a break, Simon, um, Alex has given me some, some information about our initial talking point, islands. He says, yeah, Greenland is the number one least densely populated island in the world. And the most densely populated island is, can you guess, Simon? Uh, I'll bet you any money you like, it's Sri Lanka. <laughs> Java, Indonesia. That was a good guess, ah. though. <laughs> All right, Simon Roche, I'll be back with you momentarily. My name is Germ. This is TNT. 
TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy. But millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. Yeah. TNT. Simon, a nice comment here from Rebecca. She says, the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. You know, Jeremy, a, a mate of mine has got a, a very successful business in the USA and it's, it's customer facing. And he tells me about the woes that he has with young people and he's young himself. And to give you one, for instance, one of his, st <laughs> the business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles, is lying under my desk at the moment, feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right mind goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay, because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. And he's been helping this poor girl with some problems that, that she had. And he was describing them to me without giving her secrets away. He wasn't, you know, malicious in that way. But he gave me some kind of sense of perspective on the trouble that she has gotten herself into. Jeremy, it's unimaginable 
what these youngsters believe is reality. I choose my own hours. I mean, that sounds reasonable. I ring up uh, $30,000 worth of credit card debt on a $4,000 a month salary. I mean, that sounds perfectly reasonable, doesn't it? There's like a, a paradigm weirdness that, uh, that seems to be pervasive in the USA. I'll give you a classic example. A hundred years ago, it was customary to tip your change if it was a small amount. So if you had a pint of beer in a pub and the pint cost uh, nine pence and you paid with 10 pence and there was one pence left over, you would leave that one pence or a hay penny, whatever it was. That's all. Just as a courtesy, you would leave a hay penny, a half a penny, a half a cent. Then it became an American custom to tip 10%. And it enabled Hilton Hotels and other big American businesses we all know well to figure out their profit and loss in a very, very safe way. They made it the customer's problem rather than their own. And it, it allowed them to continue to charge 29 cents a hamburger and not have to work in or build in all of their staff's costs. That's an American thing. So the whole world, just like with every other flipping thing, said, all right, we'll all tip 10%, otherwise we're bad. And so we started tipping 10% because the United States of America told us that we had to do so. If you go to the USA now and you pay for Starbucks or whatever, when you pay, a, a, a little screen burns in which they say, do you want to tip uh, 18%, 23% or 30%? It, it varies. I'm using one, one example to illustrate this point. Sometimes it's 15, 20, 25, but usually it begins at like 18%. You will never convince me if both of us live to be 888 years old, that 30% of the value of my meal was created by that individual. Somebody farmed that beef through rain and shine. They tended those cattle through pregnancy and birth, through foot and mouth disease, you name it. They got it to the slaughterhouse. It entered a cold chain that requires who knows how many megawatts of electricity to sustain for a week some guy started getting varicose veins at the age of 24 because he's a chef cooking that meat. Somebody's paying $20,000 a month for the, for the premises of the restaurant. But the waitress deserves 30% of the value of that meal because she met you at the door. She took 25 paces to your table. 25 paces back, 25 paces again and back. The, I'm talking now about the drinks order. 25 paces if she didn't take the drinks order when you sat down and if she didn't take the food order when she, took, when she brought you the drinks. 25 paces and return to check on you. Because in the USA, you're lucky if they check on you once. And 25 paces return to give you... You're telling me that 150 paces warrants... 30% of a, you know, usually you eat in a group, don't you? Two people, four people, of a, of a $300 meal. Jeremy, come on. 
And this is what I'm talking about when I say, try to say politely and try not to be too harsh about how these youngsters in the USA, as bitter and miserable and resentful as they are, have little perspective on reality in their resentment. They're hating something that actually is not there. They're hating a level of hardship and suffering that they perceive themselves being exposed to that isn't really, 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 really there. Not as long as you're getting paid 30% of the value of four stakes to walk 150 paces while, while having stuffed in your tight jeans pocket an, an iPhone. You, you know what I mean? Mm. Simon, so one of the reasons why you and I are chatting um, about the United States is we are both, both South African. And so you did an interesting conversation recently with, I think it was Alex Newman, in which you made some parallels uh, between the US and South Africa. Now, I know, as well as you know, that we live in a failed state. Uh, we both, I'm, I don't know, I'm not, I hope I'm not speaking on your behalf, but in my extended family, I can count at least off the top of my head, at least two murdered um, individuals. Uh, crime is rampant. I've, you know, I've been a victim of crime many times my whole life, and I'm sure you have. Tell me a little bit about the parallels now that, that you were making and, and the warning that you were giving the people in the US when you were there. Well, yeah, that's the thing, Jeremy, and I, 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 without harping on my own personal experience, just to uh, mm. supplement what you were saying, um, my oldest son was first uh, the victim of an attempted, failed, but attempted mugging when he was 12 years old at primary school, elementary school, uh, that is to say grade seven on his way home. The year before last, in February, he was driving his mom's car and he was uh, carjacked at knife point and eventually he was set free and while stumbling across a little commons a little grassy area um, he was uh, mugged so he was just a victim of a carjacking and then seven minutes later you know walking to the police station to report the thing uh, a bunch of guys descended on him and we can all tell stories like that and many many more I'm really just supplementing this idea that we are all, we, we all have stories to tell here in the, uh, the United Republic of uh, the South African Rainbow Nation. Um, the warning that I was giving in the USA, and I know that you listened to a, a particular interview that I gave, and you're welcome to steer this. There was more than one element to that, that interview. But one of the things that I was saying is that they are very quick to talk about South Africa as the canary in the coal mine. And I said to them that they had lost a sense of perspective on these things. That because crime is worse in South Africa, for instance, murder and farm murder and, and that kind of thing, they perceive themselves to be better off. The conversation ends there. You know, things are not too good here in the USA, but golly gee, at least they're better than where you are in terrible old South Africa. And I say to them, yeah, but my sons are not subject to compulsory LGBTQ uh, indoctrination. In fact, you're worse off than I am. Uh, 
because my sons are strong. They've got shoulders twice as wide as mine. The likelihood of them being victims of crime is relatively speaking very, very low, much lower than the likelihood of your children being told that the, the elementary canal and the sphincter are legitimate sexual organs. I'm better off than you are. And similarly, they, they, we, we have not yet been the victims of a stolen election, which is yeah. not to say that our elections are, are hunky-dory, but these guys had an election stolen from them, I mean, in broad daylight. They think they're better off than the rest of the world. You have an illegitimate government. How are you better off than me? And if you draw, if you take a Cartesian plane, the X, Y axis, and you draw a, a line that roughly sketches the indoctrination to go back to the LGBTQ on this matter, you know, what was it, what was permissible in 1980 and in 1990? So, you know, I suppose we begin with gay marriage and we go to gays in the military, then we go to... Chelsea Manning hoping that the U.S. military would pay for her sex change operation. So there's a there's a, a line of progression, some kind of a trajectory. I said to them, you cannot, in good faith, dispute my contention. You simply cannot, based on this line that's based on your society. My contention that in ten year, within 10 years, it will become obligatory in public schools in the U.S.A., for children to be afforded obligatory but afforded or afforded but obligatory the opportunity to experiment before they choose their gender yeah if you do, all you have to do is extrapolate that line don't tell me that'll never happen i've been hearing it since forever they won't take my gun not from my call dead hands you know the melodrama there's no limit to it the land of the home of the free and the something brave or whatever the the, the bulldust there is absolutely no limit to it but it turns out to be empty vessels on every single last occasion <clears throat> the usa has preached democracy since i could first comprehend anything whole world must be democratic those parts of the world that are not democratic must be bombed and they must be bombed today including civilians you just had an election stolen what was your reaction for 1000 dodge challengers to drive in a circle around the capital with flags and and uh, the hooters tooting the horns honking are you for real with me are you you you, you killed over one million. This is the consensus figure. People as left-wing as George Galloway swear by this figure. Uh, and right-wingers. I mean, what's that woman, Maggie Smith, well, I forget her name. A million, the consensus figure is that a million civilians, not militia, not army, died in Iraq over weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. You killed a million civilians for democracy? Then when they stole yours, you honked your horn? You John Wayne, you. You Chuck Norris, you. 
Come on, do me a favor. The poof de factor has saturated, utterly saturated yeah. that society. Yeah, Simon, I, so I often say this on my show, but I would much rather have the murder and the absence of electricity and all those things that are, that are material, as it were, uh, to that sort of cultural Marxist psychological infiltration that, that Yuri Bezmenov, former KGB operative, spoke about. He warned the United States in 1984 in an interview with uh, G. Edward Griffin, and he said, I cannot believe that the United States is destroying itself without a single bullet being fired. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. A, a, a nation of pansies. And I say that without hatred. Mm. Some of the best human beings I've met in my life are uh, now when I was in financial trouble. You know who helped me? It wasn't South Africans. It was Americans. They looked after me day and night to the extent that they would send people the, the circle of friends just to come and see me where I was. I'd get there at like nine in the morning and they would support me through the day. The, some of the finest, most noble, wonderful people in the world that you will ever meet, Americans, they're generous to a fault. But as a generalization, it, 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 it has become a nation of pansies. They just can't see it yet. And it's quite remarkable to observe. It's quite mm -hmm. remarkable to observe how these things get stolen from them and how the, 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 the youth is robbed of its life and there's so little murmur you know how people are so terrified to speak out i gave speeches now where the audience was um 10 percent of what it was four years ago and i was told that the reason is january the 6th that they've been locking up people who weren't even at january the 6th and had nothing to do it and didn't say anything on social media and didn't advocate sedition and weren't guilty of insurrection but who some through through some sort of concatenation could be held liable you know through the the, the most gymnastic legal arguments um and, and so everybody is terrified and mm -hmm. so they all run and hit they don't attend their conferences. They don't pitch up for their events. Uh, it's become a country of scaredy cats from the, the east to the west and from the south to the north. Um, and, and, and a country that has a false sense of perspective on the, as I say, on the rest of the world. You know, 10 years ago, you could have said, oh, golly gee, those poor South Africans, aren't we, aren't we Americans uh, 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 unique, uh, uh, special and different? Uh, uh, you know, they've got it so bad, but golly gee, we've got it good because we're American. You can't say that anymore. Um, LGBTQ in your classroom, an entire generation is being destroyed mm. mentally, utterly destroyed. And there's, there's nary a reaction. There's nothing. What reaction is there? A little bit of uh, social media stuff, you know, people ranting and raving from behind the safety of a keyboard. Even Whitney Webb, I, I idolized that girl. I mean, mm. um, I have nothing bad to say about her. But even those heroic efforts, the heroic efforts of Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones and Whitney Webb and a hundred score others amount to what? Amount to what? 
Amount yeah. to what I'm asking you. The week before last, uh, Hunter Biden defied Congress. Last, the week before last, Donald Trump was taken off the main bill. Uh, last week, he went to court in Colorado to, uh, not to be taken off the bill. Well, it doesn't matter what Alex Jones says. It's meaningless. He could stand on his head and drink water upside down. It would count for nothing. Um, so the USA has become, sadly, and this is what I've, I've endeavored to say to those people, so that at least one person could have said it. I didn't set out to make enemies. For what? The next time I want a do donation from Americans, what am I going to get? The more enemies I make, the less help I'll get. But somebody has to be honest about this thing. And Americans are not being. Alex Jones is not being. Alex Jones is exposing everything to the world like a superstar. But Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson and, and uh, Whitney Webb and others are not self-immolating over their lack of direct action by main force. On the mm. contrary, they're clapping themselves on the backs for, you know, speaking from behind a, a microphone. No offense to, to yourself and to myself. I do it for a living just as you do it. Well, not in the same way, but just as you do it. Mm. My point is just that there's a, the non-reaction, the, the nothing burger of courage in the USA observing that has been one of the most salient and perplexing experiences of my entire life. Simon, just before we go to the break, um, I have a message here from uh, Veronica it says, hi, I think you pronounce it Veronica from Sayer. So, Sayer, I don't know how to pronounce it. S-A-Y-R-E. She's listening. She says, hi. Um, Hello, of, Veronica. Lots of, lots of comments from people saying that they agree with you and they themselves are from the US. Um, but we'll chat more about that after the break. Simon Roche, my name is Jim. This is TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped, or cooked incorrectly. And that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Simon, I wonder if the US is the only victim here. Um, as you know, just a few months ago, my wife and I were 
in um, the Netherlands. And something that really struck me, and okay, so make no mistake, Amsterdam is beautiful. Um, it is far prettier than Paris. I think Paris gets that, that reputation falsely. Um, Paris is a lot dirtier than Amsterdam. And so I, I have a, a definite love for, 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 the, for the city of Amsterdam, particularly the older Amsterdam. But what was striking was how many males there were, but how few men there were. Sure. Sure. That's a, wow, a poignant thing to say, Jeremy. I haven't been to Europe since 2019. Um, and in 2018 and 19, I was in Brussels at the European Parliament and I was uh, at uh, Croatian Parliament and at the Bundestag in Germany and I nipped into Holland for a little bit. Um, and I, I can't say that by and large, the men were effeminate or less than masculine. I mean, it's not the same as South Africa, you know, that, that kind of, but then I'm in a very particular environment. You know, I work for Saitlanders and I spend a lot of time on farms and hunting and with my dogs and what have you. So I, I spend 99.9% .9 of my time around men's men. And being in those uh, urban environments, I was obviously exposed to, uh, you know, men who were perhaps not first and foremost masculine. Um, so there was a difference, but I, I can't, I haven't been there for four years, so I don't know whether there may have been a conspicuous change, as there has been a conspicuous change in the USA. But I suppose there must have been, I mean, I, it's not really... <clears throat> it's not really possible that you can have that level of saturation of um, LGBTQ propaganda coupled with the emasculating effects of a pervasive vaccination. I mean, we know the effects on, 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 on men, on sperm count, on uh, uh, testes and, uh, and um erectile performance and all of that kind of stuff. We, we all know, we've all read these things a hundred times over in recent years. So it must have had a manifest effect, I should think, uh, Jeremy. Besides that, besides that, it, even if you're not emasculated by um, the vaccination to some extent, even if it's 5%, it counts for something. And even if you're not a convert to LGBTQ, if you're a an ordinary man, but you're continually being told that you're toxic. Unless you have a spine of iron, there's a likelihood that you will soften your voice, that you will dress down, for want of a better word, I don't mean dress worse, but dress, you know, somehow less uh, uh, masculinely. I mean, that must happen. If you're going into work every day at, at, at the, you know, the, the cell phone service company of, of Amsterdam or, or wherever, or some market, or you're a taxi driver, and you've been told day in and day out, the problem is that you are part of the patriarchy and you are too masculine. If that threat is pervasive and it envelops you, the likelihood, we saw this with the vaccinations, likelihood is that you will capitulate and you must 
You must have witnessed that, surely. That must have been what you were witnessing. I think so. Uh, but I also think that it's this, it's a, what's the right term, Simon? Help me. It's like some sort of cultural implosion. It's this self-imposed destruction of what is good, what is wholesome, what is natural even. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, um, the assisted suicide of the West is a very, very interesting phenomenon. I'm listening to a lot of stuff at the moment that I mentioned to you the other day in which the people who are responsible for, for this are bragging about it. Uh, I, I don't want to speak too explicitly. I know that it's a super sensitive subject, but the reality is that the people who believe that they are responsible for it, the demise of the West, what they call the, the mentality of Roymi, are bragging about how successfully they're getting it right. And they're talking extensively about miscegenation. For instance, this is just, you know, how they are getting it right to miscegenate the West. We, we are getting it right to get the West to accept that they need a massive infusion of males of other races uh, so that they all become one race, as, as they describe it explicitly, in explicit terms. So I don't see how you can be wrong. You know, if you say that you think that I murdered m uh, 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 the Reverend Green with a candlestick, and I say that I murdered the Reverend Green with a candlestick, the likelihood is that I murdered Reverend Green with a candlestick. Um, it, it's, it's now, the, the destruction of the West is something that, that certain entities have aimed at for 3,000 odd years. And it was put in writing, as you know, uh, just shy of 2,000 years ago. And you know, as well as anybody, it was discussed on the 10th of January uh, 1952 in Hungary, in um, Achmen, Simon, Budapest, Hungary. Um, uh, 10th of January 1952 at a symposium that was recorded. And you can still find the recordings in which it is discussed. Now that World War II is over, now that we've been able to beguile the world over what happened in World War II, they all believe the diametric opposite of what actually occurred. The next phase of the program is to get the West to accept a vaccination program that will conclude with a, a massive universal vaccination that will absolutely take their legs out from underneath them and then we'll be able to, to, to finish them off. <clears throat> but you know, what's the point of talking about that stuff? People think you're a crackpot. But I said in an interview yesterday, also a global interview, big, big station like yours, big, big, um, a big show like yours. I, I watched The World at War when I was young because I was fascinated by it and it was um, dubbed. And then I watched it in English and then I watched all 32 episodes. Well, you could count it as 36, depending upon which you count. <clears throat> Narrated by Sir Laurence Olivier, six times more. And through all of that, I believe that the Kachin massacre was perpetrated by the Germans. Lo and behold, it was not! 
for like 47 years, I believed that nonsense. I believed Sir Laurence Olivier when, you know, it was... Well, I, I believed the Nuremberg trials. I believed Stalin. I believed everybody when they said that there was no Molotov-Ribbentrop pact. Lo and behold, it turns out there was. And the Molotov-Ribbentrop pact was the false pretext for the communization and the destruction of Christ throughout the entirety of these... Yeah, I don't want to raise my voice too much. I'm trying hard in the new 2024 not to rant and rave and perform like a madman <laughs> too much. But... I mean, honestly, you know, and then I watched that thing on Rogan the other day, the interview with the guy who, who did the, uh, the research into Hitler's disappearance. And um, he said, look, it's as simple as this. It's, you know, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. But the whole world believed that Hitler and Ava Brown com uh, were, were immolated in the Garden of the Chancellery on the basis of one piece of evidence. The rest was witness testimony. But there was only one piece of evidence. And that piece of evidence was the two bodies. And he said, those two bodies, he said, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've looked at the writing. I've had the Google Translate. I had the doctors and the professors and the what have you there. And the simple fact is that both of those bodies belong to two short, small, slight, petite yep. females far too young to have been Eva Brown and far too female to have been Adolf Hitler. Yeah. The, the following day, I watched three times over because I nearly lost my marbles over this, Jeremy. I watched the, uh, this enormous documentary of the, the first hand, the witness accounts of, of Hitler hiding in southern Chile and Argentina. I'm not saying that's true. What I'm saying is, that when you listen to those people talk with their own mouths, give this description, the woman who cooked his food for him, blah, 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 blah. You think to yourself, every single thing that I ever believed yes. was an enormous lie. And that yes. is, thank you for indulging me, but that is my long-winded way of reacting, reacting to what you were saying. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Um, and God bless the whole COVID era for that, at least for me, because it really... Okay, so let's go back quickly. We don't have too much time, but 9-11 was to some degree a, a, a wake-up call. Not Maybe I was a little bit young, but to some degree it was a wake-up call. The COVID era was for me a proper wake-up call. It really forced me to rethink everything that I thought I knew, Simon. Yeah, yeah Jeremy, it's difficult, man. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, except that we, we live in dark times. It appears as if the West is on a, an assisted suicide mission and it is being yeah. dragged down to hell by people who are now bragging openly about it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a self-destruction. An assisted suicide, I think, is the, is the best description. And, mm. and the West is buying into it. The, the, the males... Yeah. Exactly. Of Western Europe are buying into it. Uh, when you look at, you know, everybody from Colin Kaepernick to the South African cricket team taking the knee. For, for what? For what, Mark Boucher? For what? Tell me what, Mark. I'm here. I'm here to listen. For what you needed to do that? Um, that just everybody. Yeah. 
there was one there's one guy in the USA he's a good buddy of mine and he's a super clever guy and he's got you know that kind of nervous energy that goes along with some super clever people and uh, he kept on yelling at me shouting there are only two of us left and we've got to get used to it you know you just go berserk in the middle of the street <laughs> in the middle of driving down the road in the middle of his of his house and it, it, it kind of feels like that sometimes it does simon quickly um I, I i would love to chat to you for longer but i've got comments here uh just uh, there are too many i can't read them but there is just so much love for everything that you're saying basically um and then uh, someone says here the falsification of history by john hamer is on his bookshelf and uh, perhaps that's the next one to read i own that book i also bought it it's almost 900 pages it is an unbelievable read. I strongly recommend anybody to get that. I think it's on Amazon. The Falsification of History by John Hamer. Great book, Simon. Okay, look, we aren't, we, we don't have too much time. So let's just quickly get your promo stuff in and then we can, we can finish off after that. Yeah, well, firstly, Jeremy, thank you very much for uh, having Saitlanders saitlanders.org mm. on your show again we appreciate it very much it's valuable to us um, if anybody would like to support the work that we're doing please visit saitlanders.org and go into the you know the home page scroll that. to the bottom there hmm? you must spell that we don't only have south africa oh, listening right uh, saitlanders s-u-i-d landers l-a-n-d-e-r-s as easy as that and there it is written behind me that that teardrop represents an A, saitlanders.org. Please donate. Please help us to do this work. And lastly, I'd like to say from my heart, thank you very much to all of the people who support us one way or another, even if it's just through prayer or moral support from a distance. Um, may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be with you in this year, 2024, that promises to be a very dark year for the world there are many bitter things developing all over the face of the earth may it be less difficult for you and for yours than it will be for many hundreds of millions of people on planet earth over the next 360 or whatever days uh, in 2024 may god bless and keep all of you Simon Roche, thank you for joining me in the trenches. And before before we go quickly, for those who don't know, Saitlanders uh, is Afrikaans. It, it translates directly to essentially Southlanders, but it doesn't sound nice in English. <laughs> yeah, Southerners has a better ring to it, but mm. in Afrikaans, yeah. Southlanders is a word that actually works very well. It's just one of those uh, uh, idiomatic things in language, you know, when you can't mm. translate it as well as the original. All right, Simon, I think I'll invite you back. There, there are so many comments from people who just love you. Uh, you have made an impact. That's a good thing. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeremy. God bless you and take it's care. Great of pleasure. Yourself. Yes. And you. All right. And thank you, Alex and Joel, for keeping the thing, the, the show, the thing, the, keeping the show going. For those who are watching, uh, you are able to see me now, thanks to Joel. And uh, as always, you can hear me thanks to Alex. So that we have a great team building at TNT as, as now 
as you can see, we are now doing live video feeds. It is wonderful. So we moved from, from radio now into, I don't know what you call it. It's not TV. What do you call it, Alex? It's like just live streaming, video streaming. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the new terminology should be, but it's video. I think that's probably good enough anyway. All right, send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Would love to hear from you as always. I'm Adia. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Mm -hmm.